How is everyone doing this morning? Good. New year. We're in a new year. Isn't that exciting? Any New Year's resolutions? Anyone willing to share? Nothing. Really? Revelation. What's that? You mean revelations. Revelations. Yes. <laughs> anyone? Anyone? My one friend uh, said he has a New Year's resolu resolution to eat more hot dogs. So not a very good one, not a very healthy resolution, but he's an interesting, interesting choice. <laughs> John says amen. Yeah, it's exciting to be in, in a new year, and uh, it's been a crazy couple years, hasn't it? Um, I think as we trust in Christ and as we look to him as our Savior, we can look to the new year with hope. We can look to the new year and say, uh, good things are going to happen in the midst of everything bad that's happening. Uh, we can see, see this new year with, with uh, hopeful eyes. So it's my prayer that all of us will, will be optimistic, will be excited about what God's going to do in 2022. So I am very excited this morning. We have three, three of our folks who want to get baptized this morning. Yeah, can we get a, a clap? Come on, that is exciting. That is so exciting. Such a great way to start off the new year. So let's just open our time in prayer together. Lord, we worship you and we praise you, Jesus. We thank you for uh, drawing these three young folks into the waters of baptism, for putting it on their heart to, to follow you and to commit their lives to you, to die to their old life and to live, uh, to be resurrected to new life through you. Jesus, we ask that uh, our whole service today would be pointed at you and our eyes would be totally focused on you. We are so thankful for your death and your resurrection and how that uh, affects us, how we're able to participate in that with you. Lord, your love is so deep for us, and we can't, can't fathom that. So I just pray that today we would sense your love in a deep way. Lord, we worship you, Jesus. We just want to worship you this morning. I thank you, Father. We pray that in Jesus' name. So, before our folks get baptized, uh, I just want to do a, a very short teaching on baptism. And then we'll get to the dunks. Uh, we, it's always helpful to remind ourselves why we baptize. What does baptism do? Um, what, it, what does it mean? So there's lots of different passages in the Bible about baptism. Uh, I encourage you uh, to read through all the passages on baptism and just meditate on them. Spend some time praying and reading them. It's a really, a really good practice to do that. Um, I've put together a list of all a bunch of different scriptures. If you want, I can send them to you. You can always reach out to me and I'll send you this list of scriptures. Uh, but today we're just going to look at a few. So we're going to start with Romans 6. So Romans 6 is a passage that goes into a lot of depth on baptism. Here Paul is talking about baptism and it's one of the more rich, more dense texts that we have in the Bible about baptism. So let's read it together. If you have your Bibles or your phones or you've memorized the Bible, just call it to memory. <laughs> uh, 
Romans 6, verse 3 to 14. Paul says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. <clears throat> do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master. Amen? Sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Wow. That is, I love that passage. It's so powerful. Notice how Paul talks about baptism here. He talks about being baptized into Christ. It's almost like the water is Christ and we are taking that plunge into him, fully immersing ourselves into Christ. Does anyone remember those iced tea commercials where people would drink the iced tea and they would fall back into the water? <laughs> uh, they're taking that plunge and baptism is plunging ourselves into Christ, fully uh, falling into him, clothing ourselves with him. So this is similar language to what Paul says in Galatians 3. He says, so in Christ Jesus, you are children of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And that word put on uh, in the Greek means to clothe yourself with, like to take a shirt or a tunic. We don't have tunics. Put on a shirt and clothe yourself with Christ. So similar language here. We're, we're clothing ourselves. We're uniting ourselves with Christ. So what is Paul saying in these passages? What are, we, what are we doing in baptism? He's saying in baptism, we are uniting ourselves with Christ. We are burying our old self with him and being raised to new life in Christ. Just as Jesus died, was buried, and was resurrected from the dead, we are saying, Lord, we are participating in your death and your resurrection through you, with you. Um, it's all through what he did, but baptism is that act of participating in what Christ has done and, and almost actualizing it for ourselves. So I talked about this a few weeks ago, but notice, notice that the language here uh, that Paul doesn't say baptism is just a symbol or just a ritual. He doesn't use that language. Actually, we don't see that anywhere in the New Testament. Um, 
it doesn't talk about baptism as a ritual or as just something pointing towards something else. Uh, I encourage you, if, if you want to read more, read through all the scriptures on baptism and, and look and uh, read them with a, an open heart and you'll see their language about baptism in the New Testament is so strong. It's very strong. So I think the reason we think about, sometimes think about baptism in more ritualistic ways is that our culture, we often divide the spiritual and the physical. We often think, the spiritual stuff happens all up here in the sky and the physical stuff all happens down here and they they rarely cross but in the new testament the physical and the spiritual were always uh, blended together they worked together so for example uh, i used this example a few weeks ago in the bible it says when you're sick call on the elders of the church to to anoint you with oil and to pray for you and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Why, why, why oil? I don't understand. Um, actually, don't understand why God would say that. But he had, that's a, a command he's given us in scripture is to use oil and anoint someone. And along with our prayer of faith. So you see how this is a physical act. This is a physical thing that we're doing in faith that brings about change. It brings about healing because it's something that's done in faith. And uh, another thing we see in the Bible is that the, the apostles would often lay hands on people for the impartation of the Holy Spirit. They would often lay hands and pray that this person would receive the Holy Spirit. They didn't have to lay hands. They could have, uh, God doesn't need us to do these things, but he, he encourages us to do these physical acts or these physical things to bring about a change, to bring about some real transformation. Does that make sense? Another example in the Old Testament, Moses went up to the Red Sea and he held his hands over the Red Sea uh, all, all night and it parted, the waters parted. This was a physical thing he did and God brought about change because he was doing it in faith, because it was done in faith. So the physical and the spiritual, they, they work together. I think sometimes our culture, we divorce them, but they, they work together and I think that's similar, the similar way that the Bible describes baptism. It's a physical act that we do in faith and Jesus brings about real results after. So when we're baptizing, we are putting to death our old self. We are saying that old person I used to be is gone, it's dead. And I'm being raised to life in you, Jesus. So. If we're, Paul talks about how we can overcome sin through baptism, uh, overcome the power of sin in our life. So if we're stuck, if we're really finding ourselves enslaved to gossip or, or anger or sexual sin or anything, there's any sin that we can't overcome, God can kill that off in the waters of baptism. He can do that. God can do very powerful things through the waters of baptism because we're acting in faith. So I just want to read a couple more verses on baptism here and just notice the weight of baptism. Notice the language the New Testament writers use, how heavy it is, how important they see baptism. So Acts 22 verse 16 says, I think it's Peter, says, get up, be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. 
baptize and wash your sins away, calling on his name. 1 Peter 3, verse 18 to 22. Um, he says, he's talking about the story of Noah and how uh, Noah was saved through the waters by the ark. And he says, baptism, which corresponds to this, which corresponds to Noah, uh, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, that's some language that maybe makes us uncomfortable. Um, but, but when we think about how, how these acts of faith can have real power to overcome sin in our life, uh, we can see that baptism actually does something. It actually pulls us out of sin. It can actually help us overcome the power of sin. Um, another verse, Colossians. It says, In him, in Christ, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Do you notice this language around, around faith and baptism and acting in faith? Uh, it's all connected together. We're buried with him in baptism uh, as we have faith that God is going to work, as we have faith that God is going to do something. So do you, do you hear the gravity of baptism in these passages? Do you feel the weight of it? Do you see how this language that they use in terms of baptism is, is heavy, it's strong, it's very strong language. So, so again, in baptism, we are uniting and identifying ourselves with Christ. We're burying our old self and saying, uh, Lord, I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't want to struggle with that sin anymore. I want to be raised to new life in you. So, with all of that being said, with recognizing the power of baptism, uh, even though baptism is powerful, that doesn't mean as soon as we get baptized, all of our problems go away. That doesn't mean that. We have to continue to, as Paul said in Romans 6, he said, we have to continually consider ourselves dead to sin. So this is, a, this is an important thing for us to do, as after we've been baptized, we have to consider ourselves that we have died to sin. Um, I know in my life, I, for a long time, I struggled with anger, and I would just get angry pretty often, and I would just say, Lord, why, like, am I just really an angry person? Is that why? I get angry all the time, and I really felt God say to, to me, um, that old self is dead. You can't speak those words about yourself. Um, you're, not an, you're not an angry person. You're a new creation. Um, you're struggling with anger, obviously, but that's not who you are. That's not your identity. Your identity is in me. So that's important that we always remember that. Um, there will be times when we struggle, but we have to continually consider ourselves dead and work to kill off that old flesh. So after we've been baptized, we also have to be discipled. We have to commit ourselves to other believers and to, to the disciplines of Christianity, like reading our Bible, prayer, 
Um, that grows us and matures us in our faith. And then we, all, then we have to persist in our faith. So I like to think about baptism a little bit like marriage. When you decide to get married, married you're binding yourself to another person. You're, you're uniting yourself with another person. Contrary to what many newlyweds think and what I used to think, when you get married, that doesn't make all your problems go away. It, <laughs> your problems don't just stop when you get married. Uh, it doesn't mean, when you get married, it doesn't mean you have to stop pursuing your relationship with your spouse, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's true. I think we all know that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that marriage moment is really significant. It's really important. It binds us to that other person. But it doesn't mean every, all our problems are solved and everything is going to be better, totally better. Um, we have to continue to pursue that relationship with our spouse. We have to continue to, to pursue that relationship with them. And it's the same thing with baptism, is that we are uniting ourselves with Christ, but then we have to continue to pursue our relationship with him. We have to continue to, to submit ourselves to him. So... With that very brief outline of baptism, uh, I'm so excited that we have some folks who want to make this decision to, to die to themselves and to live for Christ. Uh, that just over the past few days, my heart has just been really rejoicing and really excited that God is drawing uh, these young folks to do that. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna invite them to go get ready um, to get their yeah, to go to the back and get ready to be baptized. So, as they get ready and as we, as we conclude, uh, I just want to share a few stories about baptism. These are not my personal stories, but they're stories I've heard from others, from other pastors and, and stories I've seen. So, there was one story I heard from a pastor named David Pawson, and he was telling a story about there was this guy he knew who was, lived a really rough, rough life. He was in gangs. Um, he was all tatted up, not that tats are, I mean, you had a rough life, but he had lots of tattoos. He had a tattoo of Satan on him as well. Um, he was, uh, just lived a pretty rough life, and eventually he decided that he wanted to follow Jesus. So he came and said, I really want to get baptized. I really want to follow Jesus, but I'm, I want to get these tattoos removed because I don't want to get baptized with a, a tattoo of Satan on me. It just doesn't feel right. So he went to the tattoo place and, and it ended up really being a lot of money to get the tattoo removed. And so he, he said, I don't have the money to do this. So I guess we'll just do the baptism and maybe later down the road, I'll, I'll get this tattoo removed. And then, so the, the day came for him to get baptized. And when he went down into the water and came up out of the water, all of his tattoos were still there except for that one Satan tattoo. It, it disappeared. God took it away. In the waters of baptism, God removed this tattoo that was on his body. Such a cool story. Such a cool story. God can do powerful things through baptism. If God can part the waters, he can remove a tattoo, can he? Amen. Isn't that a cool story? There's another, actually, this was a video I saw someone posted a, 
a number of months ago on Facebook of this woman who she had been bedridden for, I think it was a number of months, maybe two months. She couldn't walk. Um, she, she had a lot of trouble when she ate or drank something. She had a lot of trouble keeping it down. She was very nauseous all the time. And so she felt the desire to follow Jesus in baptism, to, to get baptized. And as soon as she came up out of the water, you can see this in the video. Actually, I, if you want to see it, I can send it to you. You can see as soon as she comes up out of the water, she, she just starts shaking. And she just starts saying, I can stand, I can walk. Like, she just started shaking and, and praising God and saying, I can feel my legs. Um, and then she said to the guy, go get me a bottle of water. Go get me a bottle of water right now. So he got her a bottle of water and she just started chugging it because before she'd get very nauseous when she drank anything. And so she started drinking and saying, I, I'm not nauseous, my legs are working. And she just, it's such a powerful video. She, she basically falls on the ground and is worshiping, worshiping Christ. So the waters of baptism, God can do powerful things. He can do powerful things anytime. It doesn't have to be through the waters of baptism. But uh, I want us to know that this is a powerful thing we're, we're encountering this morning. This is not just a, a ritual that we do to remember something that happened many years ago. This is something that has real power. This has power to transform. God can do very cool things in the waters of baptism. Not every baptism is like that. <laughs> Not every baptism has those crazy experiences. Um, in my experience, when I was baptized, I just came up and felt a very strong peace in my heart. I felt very light. Um, just a big sense of freedom in the Holy Spirit. So uh, God can do different things through baptism. But in all of it, God is good. Amen? God is faithful. He is powerful. So let's thank the Lord for his goodness today, and let's thank him for our baptismal candidates who have made that decision to follow Christ uh, and to die to themselves. So let's just spend a minute and thank the Lord for that. Lord, we thank you. Uh, our hearts rejoice with those uh, our young folks who are getting baptized today. We're so, so excited for that. Lord, I pray that, I ask that today you would move in their hearts in ways that they've never encountered you before. Lord, let them experience your presence and your closeness and your freedom in a way that they've never experienced it before. Lord, we bless them to grow and to mature in the things of the Spirit. We bless them to grow in their joy, in their joy through the Holy Spirit. We bless them to grow in their gifts through the Holy Spirit. God, pour out the gifts on them. <clears throat> pour out any gifts on them that you have for them this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask for your protection over them. We ask that you would remain close to them and shield them as they make this conscious uh, decision and declaration to follow Christ. We pray that this younger generation would rise to a strong excitement and a strong empowerment through your Holy Spirit.
Thank you, Jesus, for your death and your resurrection. We praise you and we worship you this morning.